Hi everyone, you are listening to LD Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about LD. Hi everybody, welcome back to LD Spotlight. We have Andre Postoraki with us once again today. He's a founder at Seriously. He's a leadership and soft skills consultant with a focus on the IT industry. He's also author of the Fun and Fearless Leadership book, an amateur camper, YouTuber, and a pilot. Welcome back, Andre. Nice to be here again. I want to thank you for this recommendation. We're going to talk about soft skills, why they are important what soft skills are, what is sometimes a misconception about what people believe are soft skills. So let's just kick it off. First of all, what are soft skills? I have a very practical definition of soft skills. I look at them from a very practical point of view. What is the problem they're solving? Why do we need them? And I start from anyone in any team doing their job. I'm talking about technical people and not necessarily even very senior people doing their job in a team. You start to need some things more than just actually doing your tasks in order to be successful, in order to be able to ask for help from your teammates, to be able to propose an idea to your teammates, to be able to understand what other people want from you or to present your work to other people. Day-to-day things, I'm not talking about exceptional things. It's just day-to-day things that are part of working in a team or working with other people. Very soon you start to need communication and that is probably the main soft skill out of them all. ability to communicate. And of course, there's many, many types of communication and levels of being good at communicating. At the very high levels, you need to know a lot, a lot about communication and need to master communication in many shapes, including public communication and presentations and uh, communicating with people in difficult situations and handling conflict and things like that. But initially, even if you're a junior developer in a team, you need at least a good level of basic communication, the ability to ask a question in a way that is understood, the ability to explain what you're thinking, the ability to describe a solution you have in mind, to have a conversation with a teammate that has a different opinion have a conversation that is contradictory but professional at the same time. Without these things, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to be successful, even if you're actually very good at the job that you're doing. And the more senior you become and the more your responsibilities grow and you are now responsible for bigger projects, you have teams and so on, the more important these things become. Now you have to communicate with many people in different situations. And the um, impact you can have, for example, through good communication versus the impact you can have through good technical skills changes in time. Initially, when you're, for example, that junior developer, 80, 90% of what you can do is actually be good at writing code. And then you have a 10, 20% alongside that, which is explaining your thinking to your teammates and having very basic conversations. But for example, when you're a team leader, you have 10 people in your team, if you communicate badly, you will impact the efficiency and productivity and possibly motivation of 10 people. And on the other hand, if you communicate well, you will impact positively the same things for 10 people. So the impact you will have by having or not having soft skills is huge now. And they become more and more important the more in a leadership position you are. I've been in a situation to try to either buy or organize soft skills training for my own team or for myself or in a business environment. I feel that sometimes people come to you asking for what is the solution in their mind rather than telling you what kind of problems they have and for you to offer the, let's say, most reasonable or most appropriate training. What's the most frequently 
misrequested type of soft skills training that you see? I can't say that I've seen many requests that are nonsensical, but what happens quite frequently is that there's a problem in the company, a problem of motivation or a problem of attrition, people are leaving or a problem of performance, the relationship with the client is not okay or whatever. Usually these kind of problems have many causes behind them and the causes have existed for a time and they've gotten worse in time. And usually a part of the solution at least is not about soft skills training, but about things that need to be changed in the company by the management and leadership of that company. Soft skills training works best when it's hand in hand with those kind of measures. So when the leadership of the company understands how they want to solve the problems in their company or how they want to improve their company, and they have a vision for that and they know what they need to do. And soft skills training is a part of that vision. That's the best way to use soft skills training. The least effective way is when you have all these kind of problems, but you're not thinking about anything that you need to change in your company. You're just thinking, okay, I'll get a good trainer, a motivational trainer of some sort, someone to teach my people about emotional intelligence or client relationships or whatever. And that trainer is going to come in and spend a couple of days with them and is going to teach them how to do these things. And that's it, my problem is solved. And that doesn't work because no matter how good the training is in itself, and even if the people like it and have a good couple of days in that training, it doesn't work because then they go back to their situation and they hit the same problems they've always had and they cannot actually apply the good tips and tricks they got from the training. So the impact of the training is not that much because of that. So it's almost like saying that they have a company culture blind spot and they're trying to solve a problem at one end with a solution at the other end somehow. For example, I like photography as a hobbyist, as something I do in my spare time once in a while. And I'm trying to take interesting pictures of, you know, my family, my dog, things on the street. And it's like me saying that my pictures are not world class. So I just need to buy a camera that's five times more expensive. And somehow, magically, my pictures are going to be five times better. But it doesn't work like that. I need to understand what I need to learn and I need to put in the hard work to actually develop those skills. And it's the same for a company. Sometimes a company has a problem and it's difficult to solve. And they think they have this quote-unquote magical solution of bringing in some external trainer or consultants of some sort, not necessarily only soft skills, and somehow the problem is going to be fixed. Usually it doesn't happen like that if the management of the company is also not willing to address the core of the issue. Does it ever happen that you initially start a conversation with a company about providing some training and then ultimately you end up providing them consultancy on culture? Yes, quite frequently, not necessarily on culture, only on that, but quite frequently I have engagement that start as a training and then turn into consultancy or engagement that start as consultancy and then turn into training. From my point of view, that's okay in the sense that the company wants something. Maybe they don't know exactly what they want. We do something together in the beginning, whatever that may be. We learn more about each other. I learn more about the company. They learn more about how I work. And then we can decide on what we should be doing together because we know what makes sense. So that actually happens quite frequently, more frequently than I would have thought before I started doing this. Does it matter where you start with the soft skills training? Does it matter if you start with the people that are doing all the technical jobs? Should you start with the leadership team? Should it be a wholesome approach where you plan to take everybody through your training? How does this work? It depends. Some companies are pretty good about this thing and they know what they want and they have a good learning approach inside the company. They have a good methodology. They constantly do internal trainings and encourage the people to learn. They work with the best trainers and so on. 
sometimes they need you for a specific thing. They know exactly where they need to add something and to what category of people. And you go in and talk only to those people, but it's enough because everything else is already okay. Sometimes other companies don't have this. So they have problems at multiple levels, for example. But they call you in usually for one thing, to talk sometimes to the management, sometimes to the people in the teams. And the reason why they call you for that is not always, how can I say, strategically thought out. It might just be that, you know, that's what they have budget for that year, where it just happened. There's a million reasons why you could be called in a company to say, okay, you need to talk to our people in order for them to be better at interfacing with our clients. So you go and you have some kind of a customer relationship communication training with the people in the team, and you realize there's other people in that company that could benefit from similar trainings, maybe even more than those people, and you make that suggestion. And sometimes they listen to you and sometimes they don't. I was just about to ask, what kind of resistance do you typically meet? Is it financial concern or is it more like, uh, don't waste our time, we don't need this? I think the biggest thing is, first, they have to want to do it. They have to recognize that they have a need, even if they don't understand exactly what it is, but they have to know they have a certain need. And then when I work with large companies, the biggest impediment, not only for me as a supplier, as a consultant, but internally for them as well, is the planning. Large companies have these year-long budgeting processes and, and plans, and they usually have to plan things in advance. And it's very difficult for them to just decide, let's do this training with these people because it hasn't been budgeted and they have to plan it for six months from now on or nine months. So everything happens slowly in a way. I think that's the biggest impediment in big companies. In small companies, time, I think, is the biggest issue. Money is always a thing, of course, but small companies, usually they're so busy. Everyone is busy. Everyone is doing a lot of things. Everyone is essential. And to actually take days, it's already a lot. Even a few hours from their actual work and just stop for half a day and go to a training, the time investment is probably the most difficult thing. So they're thinking about it in terms of cost of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And usually everything is very pressing and it's just difficult. Do you ever go into a debate about potential negative consequences of not performing a certain type of soft skills intervention? Or do you ever find yourself having to argue the case for soft skills in that particular organization? How do you treat that conversation? I don't think I've ever had a huge argument about this, but occasionally the conversation does come up in training itself. There's another thing we need to talk a little bit about in the sense that who are the people that come to your training? And are they there because they want to be there or are they there because they were sent there? Sometimes they were sent there by management. It's not like they don't want to be there, but they're sort of neutral about it. And sometimes I have training on communication, for example, with 10 people, let's say. And some of them are skeptical about some things. Some of them have positions like, you know, I'm a very good technical person. This communication thing, it's all fluffy to me. It looks like motivational crap and I don't care about it and I'm just good at my job. Why should I learn this? And I absolutely don't mind when people say these things. And I'm very happy to have those kind of conversations. And actually, I'm grateful in a way if they say it, rather say it than thinking and not say it. So it does happen from time to time, of course. But my approach has always been, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm always having a very practical approach. So Whatever your job is, I think these things are going to help you. And even if you don't want to specialize in these things, you don't want to become the best communicator, a little bit of it might still help you. So I'm trying to give them tools that they can use in their job in whatever way helps them. Very interesting. What kind of feedback do you receive afterwards, if any at all? Do people ever come back to you and say, you know, when we did that training session together about this or that skill, I actually got to use it and uh, it got me X 
better result. Do you ever get that kind of feedback? Can you maybe give an example? I don't get as much feedback as I would like to, but I do get feedback sometimes right after. I usually send some kind of a feedback form after a training. You don't get many responses, but sometimes the company helps me and they have their own internal process. All the trainings they do with all external suppliers, not only me, they have their own internal processes of following up with their own employees and gathering feedback about that training. And they share that with me because it makes sense. And sometimes it just happens happens uh, sort of randomly. I meet a person at a later date in another context and they mention, ah, I was at that training and I like this or I remember that. I'm trying to remember a specific example. It happened a couple of weeks ago, the last time I had one of these random sort of things. Basically, I did the training for a company three or four years ago on a topic and now other people from that company in the same role that joined in the meantime, the same training was requested for them because the people I did the training initially with liked the training I did and they said, we should do the same training again for the new joiners because it was good for us and it should be good for our new colleagues. You were mentioning in the beginning that communication is more or less the crux of this whole soft skills thing. Are there other types of skills that are part of the soft skills spectrum? Of course. And I mentioned communication because communication is the most frequently used and it's also the way in which almost all other soft skills manifest themselves. I mean, whatever goes on in our head, the way in which we send that across to the other people is through communication. But the basic kind of communication, just being clear in what you want and, you know, following up and things like that is level one. Soon enough, you start to understand that communication has a very emotional dimension to it, a very human dimension. And it's not just about being logical and clear and organized, but people are different, they have different styles and have different worldviews and people have good days and bad days and different personalities and all that kind of stuff. So you get into sort of emotional intelligence, which is the idea that you're becoming more and more able and willing to put yourself in the shoes of other people and see things from their point of view and understand that they may have certain opinions or do certain things that you disagree with completely. But to them, those things are the right things and they're very valid in their minds. So when you communicate with someone, you don't just have to be clear about the thing itself. You have to take into account who you're communicating with and how might they receive it and how could you phrase it in a way in which they are more likely to understand it. So you get into emotional intelligence, which is this kind of thing. And emotional intelligence also has multiple levels so to say. Initially, you just think a little bit about the fact that people are different, but then you start to be able to handle the more difficult scenarios, you know, the more difficult personalities, the more tense conversation, the conflictual conversations, how to react when you have to deliver some kind of bad news or when tempers flare up or when you're in a negotiating process with people that know how to negotiate clients or partners of some sort. And then you get into negotiation, which is another kind of soft skill. There's a hard part of negotiation because there's actual techniques and so on. But a lot of it, it's like a soft skill. It's a combination of communication, emotional intelligence, and knowing what you want. And um, it all ties very well together, I think. It's about understanding people and understanding how to communicate to people. It's a never-ending journey. You can always get better at this and you can always understand more about it, I think. Then you have specific manifestations, of course. You know, presentation skills is a particular particular kind of soft skills. It's a kind of communication, but it has its own specifics. And there's others like that. I was just about to ask if you ever graduate some sort of soft skills learning process, is there an end to it? Can you be exceptional at all the soft skills and 
learning stops for you or is this an ongoing refinement? I think you can get good enough for a certain job or a certain role. If you want to become a team leader, there's definitely a good enough level of soft skills for a team leader that will be sufficient. You can say, yeah, I'm done with that. But it's not because you cannot learn more. You can definitely learn more. It's just that it's good enough and you've decided to stop investing in it. And I understand that. I'm not criticizing that. But if you want to keep investing in it and you want to keep better at it, I don't think there's ever any graduation day. In my mind, if you want to go to the extremes and think CEO levels and startup founders and the people that built companies that lasted and created good company cultures, I think they always learn more and more about even as they get old and really experienced. And it's about people, better understanding of the people you work with, better understanding of your clients as people. I think that is the thing you never stop learning, actually. Can you measure soft skills? Can you say that someone is five out of 10 good at presentation skills? Generally, no. In specific situations, yes. I don't think there's a way to measure any soft skill in any situation. The formula can go and apply to anyone. In some situations, you can. I'm not saying it's a perfect measurement, but it's a measurement. I think if you're trying to teach someone soft skills or help them learn soft skills, you have to be prepared for the fact that it's a bit of an art. There's some science to it, but there's some art to it as well. So it's not like you can give them a book or a formula and say, okay, do this and you'll be fine. You have to be very close to them. You have to give them constant feedback, coach them, guide them, show them examples. It's a process. It's a mentorship process. Have you ever received any question regarding this? Has any customer of yours ever said, by how much has this group improved their specific soft skill? Not frequently, I think. No, very infrequently. I think people may be aware that it's very, very difficult to to measure like that. And given that it's a communication thing, so it requires two sides, who says that you've improved a particular soft skill? Is it a self-assessment? Is it a peer assessment? Is it a combination of both? Can anyone give their blessing that indeed progress has taken place? I think, again, it depends on the situation. There's multiple perspectives you can take. I think the core perspective is for yourself. If I want to start running, the main thing for me will be to be happy with my own progress compared to myself yesterday, not necessarily compared to other people. In a sense of the word, you could say, if you're happy with what you've learned, that's good enough. Obviously, that's not enough in the sense that we work in teams, we work in companies, and the companies have their own expectations. A job description saying that in order to promote to the next level, you need to have this, 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 and that. So that's a definition of the levels of soft skills you need to have, then if it's enough or not, it becomes part of the performance management process. Your line manager will decide if it's enough or not according to the job description in order for you to be promoted. So there's these kind of factors as well. All right. But if we had a company that wants to do something about soft skills, what kind of advice can you give them? How do you formalize this whole process? How do you turn it into a strategy? What is the best approach, the most actionable approach that has, I guess, the least amount of friction when it's implemented? I think it's just like anything else. If you want to introduce anything new in the company, any new behavior, any new way of doing things, it's the same thing with soft skills. It's starts from the top leadership. They have to agree and decide that this is important and they want it in their company. 
then they have to obviously show personal example, but also start communicating about it and making a thing out of it. A company's ability to transform and add things in the way they do things or in their culture is limited. You can't change everything at the same time. If you want to get better at soft skills throughout the company, then you need to prioritize this and say, this is one of the top three key objectives for this year. We need to get this done. And then this needs to be reflected. When you have the company updates, you need to speak about this. You need to make sure you plan it in the learning and development programs. And you need to make sure you budget for it to make sure that this becomes a part of what's expected of everyone, to make sure that leaders at all levels understand this and actually apply it and display it in the day-to-day behaviors. So maybe in the learning and development process, you need to start with the leaders and then next level of leaders. So everyone is on board. It's just like changing anything else in the company. You have to want to do it and then you have to focus focus on it. And then you actually have to work doing it. At some point, it will end up clearly in the training and development programs. There should be training about it and conversation about it. But that has to follow after those initial steps. Because if you just buy some training, it's the other conversation we just had, it might not work. So always start top down, be the change you want to see in the company, right? So I remember one of the companies working for a relatively big company and one year, it was the year of quality. That was the focus. Every company update and every time the CEO visited the location, there was always something about quality. The message was repeated and pushed again until everybody heard it at this high level communication thing. And then it had to be reflected in what you actually did. So we start looking at the development process. How can we change how we actually build software in order to increase quality? It cascades. Then are our people ready for that? Do they need more training? Do they need to learn new technologies, new ways of doing software? How do we recruit people? Maybe we should recruit different kinds of people. How do we build the teams? Maybe we should change the composition of the team. If you wanted, instead of quality, in this example, to focus on we need better soft skills, it's exactly the same thing. You have to talk about it. You have to repeat the message. And then you actually have to dig down and see what you need to change in your company and where in order to make that change happen. Okay, thank you for that. What I'm hearing you say after having had this whole conversation is that soft skills, I guess, is one of those invisible but essential things that enable people to work together better, right? Yes. Okay. I think it's absolutely essential. If you have a team of five people, very good people, otherwise, that don't have even the basic ability of talking to each other effectively, then you might have a really bad team. But the same people, if they get even these minimal level of soft skills, they might become five times better as a team, even though they are the same people with the same technical skills. Very well said. I think we're going to end on this point. Thank you so much, Andre, for imparting your wisdom once again. I hope it was fun and informative for our audience. Thank you as well. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of LND Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone.